everyone and welcome back to the business growth advantage i am so excited for today's episode if you're new make sure that you're really leaning in paying attention to this because we've got some major announcements to make the future of the business growth advantage show is going to look very different from now on and it has a lot to do with my friend who's next <laughs> to me here liz henson so up until now the episodes that I've been doing for the Business Growth Advantage have either been just solo episodes of me talking or me bringing on a guest expert that kind of changed every week. Well, I'm very excited to say that Liz is going to be joining me every other week, maybe even more frequently, but at least every other week as like my go-to co-host. And we're going to be diving in every week about a topic in particular, which is team building. Now, we've decided to go deep on team building because out of all of the different things that Liz and I could talk about as business owners and coaches and different types of consultants, it really seems like team building is something that is in such demand right now. And Liz and I both have stories about how it's been totally transformative for us and for our businesses. So before we dive into team building and the secrets that we've picked up along the way, Liz, please share with everybody, because you've been doing so much recently, when you meet people at an event or you're networking, how are you describing what you do these days? <laughs> I know, I was like, what is he going to ask? Are we going with the intro? Yeah, so I am a professional community builder, and that is actually a thing. There are professional community builders out there, mm. but I specifically have a focus on Facebook groups and helping businesses leverage Facebook groups for more leads, more sales, and overall just a healthier community, aligning it with their newsletter or podcast, whatever that might be. But yes, team building is huge, and what I'm really noticing about team building is like the stage of business that we're all in when we know that team building needs to be the next focus or the biggest focus. It's like, it brings so many of us together in that important conversation because we're all in that same space of like, no more solopreneur life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, if you're watching this live, let us know in the comments, give us a why for yes. If you can relate to team building being something that you know you need help with, but you're not really sure what next steps to take. You've struggled with it in the past. Uh, like I said, every other week, Liz and I are going to be coming to you live and you can catch the replay on the podcast with different tips and strategies that we've learned along the way. Now, Liz, you're not just talking about all of this without experience. Can you share with people how your team has transformed over the past year or so? 
Yeah. I mean, first of all, I learned so much of it from watching and being on the inside of your team. Like it's one thing for someone to just say all the team building things, but to be in other teams and I have officially been in other teams for a little, I guess a little over two years now in some way, shape or form, seeing the insides of different businesses, you really get a feel for what's working, what's not working, how you want to model team building in your own business. And a year ago, it was just me, maybe like, we'll say a year and a half ago, it was just me. And then a year ago, I had two very part-time VAs. And then when I saw the inside of your team, going to your retreats, seeing how you guys plan things out quarterly, seeing your leadership team, I was immediately like, this is what I want. And now I'm officially a team of seven. We're still building out what leadership looks like, but I know that I have my leadership people and we're just building from there, but it has been completely transformative in the way that I show up for my business, where my time is spent. And it's just really fun because we're building everything out right now. It's very much like a growth spurt, if I I can call it that. Yeah, that's awesome. And When you look back, Liz, what were some, were there certain fears or objections to the team building thing that really made you hesitant to move forward with that? Yeah. I mean, and I still, I still have a lot of fears around, can I continue to make enough money to afford this? Mm. There's a lot of money fears around team building and I just had to break those down into, they don't all, nobody has to be full time right? Like it's amazing what can get done in just two hours a week or 10 hours a week. And I just had a lot of limited beliefs that nobody would want to work for me if it wasn't Mm. like a sustainable revenue stream, right? But they do. And I used Jamie's example, how Jamie started working with you super part-time, right? Just like a little bit of extra money a month, but then very quickly, grew with you to the point where now she's on a leadership team and was able to quit her day job and all those things. And she's just always reminding me, like, you will be surprised. People just want an opportunity. People just want to learn. Mm. Yeah. I think that there is this, there can be this very dangerous idea out there as business owners of when people say hire before you're ready, they take that to mean bring on somebody that you can't afford yet Mm. and just believe that you'll be able to afford them by having brought them on. And I have, I have witnessed so many business owners get burned by that approach. Mm -hmm. So I do think that it is, yes, I am all in favor of figuring out a way to start to build your team as quickly as possible, but neither Liz or I are saying that you should just take a, non-rational leap of faith there that your budget can't afford. Yeah. And I love what you taught me as well, is that everybody should be attached to the ROI in some form. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot of pressure off if you know that you're bringing somebody's role in based on X amount of sales or that they're helping you get the sales. It just eases a lot of those like fearful feelings, right? Whereas a lot of times when we start, we just want to get some tasks off our plate So just having somebody do those tasks isn't going to really change the amount of sales that we're getting. But if you really start thinking about 
how can I attach this position to my bottom line? It becomes a little less scary. Totally. totally. You tell me that. You tell me that. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I'm so glad you brought that up because that was helpful for us too, to see that it's not just time savings. It's also a direct kind of ROI that you can calculate based on the work that they're doing. Yeah. Um, Liz, I know that when we decided to do this type of show moving forward, you were really excited to have some questions for me every other week. I know you've got a list of some for today. So where do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I know you were, you, you were like, I forget what to talk about when I'm live by myself. And I was like, I can help with that because I love asking you questions and we may as well record them because yeah. if you're helping me, you're going to help so many people. And I'm always wanting to ask you questions. But let's start a little bit from the beginning. So most people know that you landed in the hospital because you had this panic attack. I think mm -hmm. at the time it was just Caitlin that was helping you, right? Yeah, we did have a bigger team than just Caitlin at the time. But yes, and for anybody who doesn't know, honestly, I in terms of this whole hospital panic attack thing, I've talked about it quite a few times on social. I'm starting to talk about it more. I want to be careful whenever I do talk about it, though, that I'm not sharing like a dramatic story just for the sake of sharing a dramatic story. That being said, about four years ago and about a year after starting my own business, I had this really rare kind of random series of panic attacks. It, the doctors didn't really know what was going on. It was honestly very, very scary. For a few weeks, I was in the hospital. And during that time, I was really forced out of the office. Mm -hmm. It came by surprise. I had a very small team at the time, including Caitlin Allen, who had become kind of like my secondhand human being with the company. And thankfully, when I was there, Caitlin stepped up, others stepped up, and I realized just how much I could trust the team that I had started to put together. And at the same time, if my business was going to continue to grow, I knew that we needed more team, more hands on deck, not just in case I was ever forced out of office, but in case anyone on the team was ever forced out of office. Mm -hmm. And that's really what we're going, where we're going now is how can we create systems and culture and coverage so that anybody can take time out of the business and not worry that they're going to create fires just by not being there. Yeah, no, I, that's so important. And I've been starting to think that way too. Like if something was to happen to me tomorrow, could my team at least have access to everything, all everything that's an output for me so that it could still get taken care of or communicated. And we don't tend to think in that way. Yeah. And what I've really enjoyed about building a business in that direction is that it started as very preventative of a possible worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And it was done very much as a, we need to do this so that the business can survive. Because thankfully, I got better very quickly. But it could have not gone that way. I could have gone back to the hospital. And we needed to be prepared for that. The business needed to be prepared. The clients needed to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. But it's also allowed us to have the leverage now to grow and scale much more quickly than we could have imagined before. Yeah. And you're only, you're only doing about an hour of client work a week, right? Yes. Yeah. And I've been talking about this the past few months because that was really the goal. I mean, when I was, when I was leaving the hospital, 
one of the doctors said, it seems like you will make a, a quick recovery, but you went through a very traumatic experience and it'll take a while for your brain to rewire itself. Mm. And so over the next few months, maybe years, you have to be very mindful of your stress levels because as your brain is just taking the time that it needs to have this be a memory that you don't think about anymore, mm -hmm. we need to make sure that you're having as low stress of a lifestyle as possible because any uptick in stress can trigger another panic attack. Yeah. And so I think that any type of client work when you're a service-based business can be stressful because you're dealing with potentially hard instances of clients being upset and you want to do your best, especially when you're a lawyer though. I do think that there's this element of you really having a sense of a duty to wear your client's stresses on your shoulders. Yeah. And so I knew that I needed to get out of the client work as much as possible for my own health and wellness. Mm -hmm. Again, it very has quickly shifted from being a, this is for my own health and survival to this is a secret weapon for business growth. Yeah. And yeah. now not only am I spending less than an hour a week on client work, but we have a really big goal in Q3 where my entire leadership team, the idea is that we're going to end next quarter with them getting out of all of the non-leadership team tasks in the business. Oh my gosh. Awesome. So it's something that can apply, you know, it's great to start with you and then you trickle that down to the rest of your team. Yeah. So everything that's repeatable is constantly getting pushed down the ladder. Yes. Yeah. And automate automated or pushed down. Yeah. And if it's helpful, my team and I just recently came up with some terminology that we think is going to be super, super helpful and valuable as we start to make this transition. Yeah. We've come up with three different terms that we're going to use moving forward. First of all, let me just set some context. Liz was, it was amazing to have Liz join my team and I at a conference last week or the week before. I'm losing sense of time I know, here. It was like two weeks ago, I think. We it was a max, Maximum Lawyer Conference, great conference. One of my biggest takeaways from it was in terms of your team, you can have project managers that manage projects. Mm -hmm. but your leadership team leads people. It doesn't manage people. Yes, I love that. And so we took that principle and we created some language around it. So now what we have is we have our leadership team is like our C-suite team, right? Mm -hmm. CEO, COO, the other you know, chief levels leading each department. Mm -hmm. Those are all very clearly people leaders. Then below that, we have what we call directors, which mm. are project managers. And then below the director level is what we call coordinators. Mm. And those are more of like the frontline doers. So you have your C-suite, which is leading people. We'll have our directors managing projects. Mm -hmm. And then we'll have our coordinators being that kind of frontline doer army. Yeah, I like coordinator. I always said implementer, but I like coordinator better. Yeah, we, we like it. I think that there's also an HR alignment as well. Of yeah. Those are terms that are traditionally seen in a kind of structure mm -hmm. in a company where mm -hmm. it goes from coordinator to director to C-suite position. Yeah. And so we do want to be mindful as our business grows that when we give someone the title of C-suite or director, 
we're doing what we can to make sure that there is a fair salary that comes with that title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It always blows my mind just to see how much you've grown. And let's rewind a little bit to right after you kind of, you got better after the panic attack. Like we've talked a lot about that being a pivotal moment. And mm-hmm. then we've talked a lot about like where things are now. What did that look like in the beginning of trying to grow? Was it a little bit at the time? Did you make any big dramatic changes when you got better? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I remember is pretty quickly after the panic attack episode, I got connected with Melissa Shanahan of Velocity Work. And she was the first person that really helped me understand the concept of a leadership team and quarterly planning. Mm-hmm. And so it was Melissa who said, okay, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to have an in-person quarterly retreat. And she said, you need to invite everyone on your, on your leadership team to this in-person retreat. And I said, I'm the only person on my leadership team. And she said, okay, is there anybody on your team that could potentially be on your leadership team if you were very strategic and you plan for that over several quarters? And it was very obvious to me that Caitlin on our team could make for a very strong leadership team member. Mm-hmm. And so she came to our first leadership team quarterly retreat, not as a leadership team member, but as a high performing teammate who we wanted to show this to. And that was a really, really great lesson that I learned of if you don't yet have a leadership team or you don't have it fleshed out the way you want it to, it's great to invite people into the room Mm -hmm. that have a potential for it, have them see what that conversation can look like. And then at the end of that retreat saying, okay, is this something that you have capacity for and that you want? And I love seeing that in action at the Max Law Conference too, just seeing Jamie say like, oh, I want to go to this because they're talking directly about sales, you know, and seeing your other team members like picking out which talks they wanted to go to because it pertained to their role in the business. And I was like, gosh, like all these other companies are kind of missing out that just came by themselves. And even a lot of them were like, I love how Joey's team is here. I'm going to bring so-and-so next time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but like what you just said explains why, like the why that's such a great thing. And just to set some more context here, if it's helpful for people, a lot of business owners are starting to to learn about and read books like Traction or following EOS. And there's a lot of talk of if you're the visionary or CEO in your company, it's important to have an integrator or COO or, or second in command who you know, has the other side of the brain that's really strong in ways that you as the visionary just aren't naturally suited for. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of common sense to that principle. And it's it can be very, very helpful to have an integrator or COO or whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. But here's another insight that we figured out. Instead of rushing to hire an integrator or a COO, your first leadership team hire should instead be a department lead. Because if you have an integrator or a COO that is the way that this usually breaks down is that you have you as the visionary or CEO at the top, Mm -hmm. then you have your COO or integrator. And then below that you have your department leads. If you, if it's currently all you, and then you decide to put someone in the integrator role, (laughs) you're putting that integrator in a very weird position 
where they are reporting to you as the visionary and they're also holding you accountable as the lead of all of these departments. Yeah. And so we found that it's, it makes so much more sense and it can be really helpful to a business that's transitioning to a strong leadership team to first say, okay, one rung below the integrator, a certain department that we really recommend having, getting yourself out of the lead position is the operations department, or we call it the internals department. So everything from process management to HR, maybe even bookkeeping, things like that, stuff that's not marketing or sales, and it's not client or customer delivery of services. That's a really great person to first get yourself out of and have someone else step up. That was Caitlin's first role in the leadership team was leading that COO instead of going straight for this integrator. Well, and a fractional, we, again, we call it an internals lead Mm -hmm. or an internals officer. And this is where language can be tricky because if you think about the typical COO as chief operations officer, that you just want to be mindful of that because in most structures, that COO isn't actually running the operations department. They're just leading all of the other C-suite team uh, members. Okay. So that's um, the most comparable to the integrator. Yes. Okay. So well, you're teaching me and this is why we're doing this live. So you can teach me and teach everybody else. And so I'm a big fan of having, whether you call it your internals department or your operations department, that's one rung below integrator, mm-hmm. having that filled first. Then it's usually, it's really hard as the business owner to pass off the marketing and sales because a lot of us, like that's the part that we like, that we're uniquely good at, that the business a lot of times depends on us to show up in the marketing and sales departments. So usually that's the last department that we as visionaries or CEOs give up. Yeah, that's where I'm, that's what I'm working on right now is getting rid of marketing, not getting rid of, but getting help with marketing. And fulfillment is the one that I seem to be struggling with giving, getting rid of the most. Mm. It's so interesting, you know, to hear, but yeah, systems, absolutely. All my systems, people are going to love that we said this, because I'm going to say, Joey said systems is the first one to start with, but it's so true. Like anything that is in that systems umbrella is going to free up your time immediately, whether it gets automated, systematized, or ready to offload. And I think that that's the easiest like step to take is like, yes. hey, I send this email every single week. Who can I send this template to that can now send that email every single week or yeah. be in charge of scheduling it? It's like that little first baby step, but that's a system. Yeah. And, and if you have certain people on your team that you think could over quarters or years rise to the level of your leadership team once they built certain competencies and confidence. A great thing to do, because we mentioned that coordinator, director, C-suite terminology earlier, is to promote them into director level positions Mm. that are kind of happening inside the department first. Give them a sense of what it's like to manage projects, manage other team members, and then elevate them to the leadership role. Yeah. So if someone's watching that's just a solopreneur, what I'm kind of gathering would be a good plan of action would be just bring in a virtual assistant, but start them with anything that's operations. And then they can kind of slowly move up in being your number one. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you use the term virtual assistant. Because most people, that's where they start. That's, you know. 
Yes. And I think it's important to talk about that phrase too, because yeah. as the term gets more and more popular, it's becoming less and less meaningful. Mm-hmm. These days when people say VA, they might be thinking of very different things of what that person would be doing in the business. Mm-hmm. And so my team and I have become huge fans of overseas virtual assistants that we plug into at that frontline doer or coordinator level first. Yeah. That being said, we're seeing it on our team and we've seen it with other businesses where overseas VAs can rise all the way to the level of a leadership team member. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking about hiring a VA and what to pay them, I found that it's asking, what do I pay a VA isn't as helpful of a question to ask as what would I pay someone overseas who is doing these types, who would be doing these types of tasks for me? Mm -hmm. Or what can I budget for instead of what should I pay this role? What is my budget? And, you know, my husband, who's really good with numbers, kind of helped me say like, okay, I have this amount to spend on my team every month. How am I going to allot that? Oh, that's so great. That's so great. And it's also really helpful to bring on a layer of overseas administrative help before you start bringing on U.S. teammate help, because now you have a layer of administrative workforce that your team can delegate to. Yes, And it also applies, obviously, on the overseas side, where we now have created enough team members overseas, and there's a structure of who's doing what. So now some of them who are being promoted have a sense of other people on the team that they can start to delegate work to as they're getting busier and as we're paying them more. Oh, I love that. You just gave me a little bit of reassurance. So my the marketing person that that is just being trained and learning my business, I said, I only want you to come up with this process once, right? And we'll mm. test it. But as soon as this process is repeatable, it then gets passed down to what would be our frontline director, is that what you said, director? Uh, frontline coordinator. Coordinator, coordinator, yes. So I've already kind of, what you just said, I already kind of have in place. So I feel like I'm on the right track here. Yes, totally, totally. <laughs> but without kind of really real, just trying to think lean, right? Like I'm paying this marketing person a little bit more. She's US based, she has experience, not like a super pro. And we can talk about that too, like when to hire a super pro versus a VA. She's like nice and in the middle, mm-hmm. but I still want to keep her as high thinking leadership as possible. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm glad you said that too, because I've got a service called Global Vetted VAs. And a common question that we get is what experience level should I be looking for and how much should I be paying depending on that experience level? And we tend to recommend that for your first few hires that you find what we call a generalist Mm -hmm. instead of a specialist that would understandably want higher pay. Mm -hmm. We've put together this really helpful spreadsheet that breaks down the pros and cons of that decision. And one of the things that it shows is not only does it allow for you to save money by bringing not only the team, but internalizing the processes and building out those processes in-house instead of depending on an expert And then if you lose the expert, you lose all of their systems and processes. Mm -hmm. There's also a lot of cost savings that come into play here. Because if you're, if you create your payment structure so that, you know, you're paying generalists eight to $10 an hour to start instead of 20 to $30 an hour to start, Mm -hmm. you can then work towards $20 or more 
as they're being promoted from coordinator to director to C-suite leadership team member. Yeah, yeah. It gives room for improvement. And I love the term generalist too. I feel like we brought in very much a generalist, but we kind of chose like, here's your everything that she can do, but like, this is where we want you to focus. Hopefully grooming her into a specialist Yeah, is the goal, right? Well, what we found too about specialists is that more often than not, business owners who really want a specialist are looking for kind of like a one-time fix or cleanup, or maybe it's branding or someone to set up Facebook ads or whatever. They're thinking, oh, this will be a short-term, like a one-time project with someone. Sometimes that makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. But the way that we've been talking about team building in this conversation is more, how can you be adding on long-term teammates to your team? Yeah. And then you, I know we're not going down the rabbit hole of specialists too much, but a good way to use specialists is like consultants or someone that can come in and train your long-term team. So like you said, that short-term, maybe this is just a one-day workshop or maybe it's a six-month, like we're going to overhaul something in your business, but we're training your team to do it so that that specialist can then- Yeah, well, and we value- project management skills and leadership skills way more than other areas of specialty. Mm -hmm. So, and that's something that we know that we can train people up on. Yeah. And so our thing is you don't really need to be a specialist on our team because our goal is to create and fine tune our processes so much that anybody who can read at a second grade level is set up to just complete every task like a champ. Oh my gosh. And that you've so you've done that too, because even though Jamie has this superpower in sales, like I know with hundred percent confidence, Raina could step in and do it. Caitlin could step in and do it. You could step in and do it, right? That entire leadership team could take over that entire like pillar of the business at any time. Yeah. I think it's a really helpful mindset shift where the team and I shift where we're placing value mm-hmm. from expertise to like team culture and leadership. Mm, That's it's so hard, right? Like, I think what I hear the most is like, I need a specialist to come fix this. But then also I hear a lot is I just need another me. How do I just get Mm. another me in the business? Right. And you haven't done either of those. You've literally just taken someone that has the project management skills and the culture fit and then built around that. Yeah. One of the things that I know Liz and I both have a background in, in terms of the coaching training that we did is how to get better and better at asking high quality questions. Mm-hmm. And, and when you say something like, I really just want to clone me in my business, I don't think that that's a, a bad thing to be thinking or that like you're thinking in the wrong direction of where your business needs to go. But if we were having a coaching relationship and you said that, I would want to ask you, when you say, I wish that I could clone myself, what specifically are the things that you would want that clone to do well like you do? Yeah, everything is what they would say. I struggle with fulfillment, right? So I I carry this limited belief when it comes to a lot of the the client-facing fulfillment work. So I'm really working on systematizing kind of that superpower, right, to be able to to do the data analysis of a community. But but I know it's all doable. It's just like getting it out of my brain 
and yeah. into some kind of repeatable process. And I know on, this is where a lot of people get stuck. On the okay, I'll share this too. On the on the fulfillment side, when it comes to processes, we found this to be helpful. There are some businesses like my law firm, Indie Law, where there is a clear beginning and end date to the service that we provide. Mm-hmm. And so the service is really based around the process for the service is really based around a client experience of from onboarding to closing out the file. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. You map out those touch points and you can then create the processes from there. If you've got more of an agency model like Liz, what I've seen work really well is taking a step back and saying, okay, yes, these might be ongoing clients where as long as they continue to renew contract, we continue to serve them. How can we be creative and intentional still about there being a sense of progress over time with these people? Mm-hmm. And this can take quite a bit of trial and error and working with different types of clients. But what I've seen work really well, and you don't have to communicate this to the client necessarily, although you definitely could, mm-hmm. is creating a phase-based mm. progress with your agency clients where you create this kind of default process where you just assume that based on the clients that you've worked with in the past and and what you've seen, usually the first few months are spent on this. And Mm -hmm. then once this milestone is hit, it shifts to this. And so it's building more of a process for a kind of phase-based journey Mm -hmm. than something with more of a very clear beginning and end. Yeah, no, and we definitely have the phases. But yeah, I think there's a lot of improvement that could happen there in kind of measuring when they end a phase and get into the next phase and how to kind of identify that. Because some of them do overlap and happen simultaneously, but there could still be like a focus. Like this month, we're focusing on managing expectations. And what's been really helpful for, for me and some of the clients that I work with is if you're working on the fulfillment process side of things, to kind of step back from the nuts and bolts processes and instead say, okay, instead of thinking about kind of all of the under the hood things that the business has to do, Mm -hmm. if I just think about our services from the perspective of the client, what are they seeing as a step? Like first they get this email that says this, then Mm -hmm. they get this, then they get this. And if you paint out that timeline of just what they're seeing, not all of the work that you're doing behind the scenes for it, whatever. That can be really helpful as a starting point to give you a type of table of contents to then build all of your processes around. Yeah. I love that. Just the on the onboarding to me is like the easy part, right? Like that's the same every time. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into the nitty gritty of the client work, that's the part I'm, I say having trouble letting go of, but that's the, those are the systems that I'm trying to get out of my brain and onto paper. But I think you're right. Defining those, we have like, you know, five stages. So defining those stages and that will help with the client with walk away with that tangible experience as well. Knowing it was communicated this month, we're talking about onboarding this month. We're talking about strategy, whatever it might be. The other really important thing to think about when it comes to fulfillment is that in the same way that numbers and data are necessary for the marketing and sales side of things, 
you need to let the data speak to you on the fulfillment side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so you need to be tracking when clients give, when there are delays on things, when they try and scope creep, when they have certain negative feedback that they give, when they tend to be really happy and having opportunities for the clients to share that with you in an easy way. Mm -hmm. Because so many of us, we get really stringent with the processes that we're building based on our sense of how this needs to look for our clients without really thinking about it more objectively with, okay, at the end of the day, the goal is just for this to be a net win for the client for them to get a good result. Yeah, yeah. And, and really just having space and allowing your systems to create that space so that you're actually collecting feedback from clients. Yeah. Because I, like I know that. so many business owners who their hearts are just so big that they are always in their head thinking that if a client isn't sending them a raving review, something might be wrong. Uh-huh. And that's typically not the case. No, or they wait to ask for feedback until the very, very end of the process mm -hmm. and, and find out that, you know, it was really something that was closer to the beginning of the journey that mm. really frustrated the client. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important. We do like a three month check-in, but if we're going out of a, if I move it to the different phases, you can do a check-in after each phase to kind of like, I hate to call it a quiz, right? But just to make sure that they've gained yeah. something from that phase. The other thing is, and I always remind my team and my clients of this, when you're making these process changes, when you're starting to delegate more to your team, when you're wanting to get out of the client work, think in terms of dials, not switches. Yeah. We are not trying to rush to flip switches here so that you quickly go from 100% of the work is on you to nothing. Yeah. When, when I say that, that I've now gotten to a point where I'm doing an hour of client work a week, that just didn't happen overnight. Yeah. That went from... 60 hours a week to 50 hours a week to 45 hours a week and just kind of slow, slow improvements every month. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It was really easy to get out of like the, anything that was data input, but now it's like, I have all the analysis, but mm -hmm. yeah, see, you gave me such a good takeaway on this call. I'm going to go work on my different, make the phases so much more clear. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And, and like, even if a client already, say like one of the three phases they've already mastered. Okay, great. But let's still like go through this process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. See, you're helping, you're just coaching me on here. That's all that's happening. Well, and, and this is another reason why my team and I are so excited about our global vetted VAs program, because most, unless you want to just go out and totally find your own VA yourself, most of the services that are out there you pay them money and then they give you one of the EVAs on their team mm -hmm. and you pay for kind of monthly access to that teammate. There are so many situations where that works out incredibly well, but a major limitation to it is that they're not really on your team. Yeah. Totally. You don't have a direct hiring relationship with them. And so there's a sense of them already to go back to what we said earlier, like, they're already specialists. They've got certain knowledges and processes that they're following to help you. Mm -hmm. This isn't super easy work. But the great thing about moving forward in this direction is every month 
that you have a VA on your team that is helping you build out processes in, internally just is a s- snowball rolling down a hill for you. And when you look back years later, it's, I mean, it's crazy. And I know you see it, Liz, but it's crazy when you look inside our business, just how much of the work of our high volume law firm is getting done by phenomenal overseas teammates who started out with zero understanding of what it is that we do. And now they are None of them have like a paralegal background or a trademark law background, but we've we've done a really great job training them on trademark law, on our processes, how to work with clients, marketing, you name it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so cool to see too, because I mean, I've seen you guys bring in brand new VAs, you know, and I've seen some of the VAs that overlap with other teams. Like it's, it's so incredible. Mm-hmm. And just to speak to the hiring process and how difficult it can be. And Mm. even within our Facebook group, the business growth advantage, one of the things that stopped people was like, I don't even have time to hire. Mm -hmm. And I just made two hires. Also, one of the things you recommend is bringing in two people at the same time. And my team handled everything, right? So that's where I see, and this, this is crucial for me because the first time I tried to hire by myself, I wanted to keep everybody because I have that (laughs) reality. Like I will keep everyone and it's not okay. So just having someone or a program like Global Vetted VAs that can take your job description, get that information from you super easy via, you know, questionnaire, you guys have an amazing onboarding process, and then do that difficult time consuming part of narrowing it down to just a few candidates, like that is huge. And that's what my team did for me this time that I had never really experienced before was like, I didn't have to touch it until that final interview stage. And like, I know that's what Global Vetted VAs does too. And I was like, man, what a like CEO moment. 100%. And another just secret weapon to how this is all working is that Gerald on our team, part of the reason why it was so it was so easy for us to launch Global Vetted VAs is because for years now, he has been doing all of that himself. And he got to a point where we trust him to just do the interviews and pick who needs to be hired and he does it. Yeah. So you were able to take that superpower, that gift that he has and then package it up as a service that not only helps you and your business, but really helps him. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I know you and I have talked about this before. Um, There is a sense among business owners that there are questions of, okay, is this really an ethical thing to do? Can I really get away with paying someone less than minimum wage here? to help me. And I don't want to jump into that argument, but I will say that the people on our team that are not based in the United States are absolutely thrilled to be a part of our team. We have been assured by them that we are giving them an opportunity to receive an hourly rate that they definitely are can't get locally and sometimes struggle even to get overseas here in the U.S., And going back to what you said about your husband and like the budget, the more that you can have those budget friendly hires that you can train up, Mm -hmm. the more space that opens up in your budget to bring on people locally if you want to. Yeah. And it can be both, right? Like it doesn't have to be like an all overseas VA team or an all American based 
VA team. You know, I really, I really want to see my business supporting more stay at home moms and, you know, but I also see the opportunity that it gives my overseas VAs when they learn a skill that makes them more valuable, Right. right? Because we're teaching them from the ground up, say something as simple as how to use ClickUp. They have that on their resume now that they're like a master at ClickUp. And now we've helped them like out in the workplace in general. Yep. Yeah. It's so it's kind of it's kind of like that ripple effect. And they are grateful for it. They're they, <laughs> some of the hardest workers I've ever seen. Yeah, like, they really are. Really cool. Yeah. It's so fun. Well, I'm I'm very excited to be diving into these conversations on team building every other week with Liz. If you guys have any questions, things that you want us to hit on in particular around this topic of team building, any questions or concerns that you have about the topic, let us know in the comments. For the next month or so, we're going to be live streaming my interviews with Liz across a lot of places on the internet. But over the next couple of months, we are going to be shortening the number of accounts that we're live streaming to. But we will always be live streaming from our Facebook group, The Business Growth Advantage. So if you're not inside that group, make sure that you get in there and you'll never have to worry about missing out on one of our live chats if you're in that group. Yeah, and that group is really specifically for business owners that are in this scale phase that are really starting to bring on their first hire or build out their C-suite team and are kind of feeling like they are more alone in this weird, awkward transition of like, I know I want to, don't want to be a solopreneur anymore, but now I'm ready to surround myself with people like Joey who have this huge team, but like are very familiar with what it looks like to go from zero to 22. And of course we have access to the global vetted VAs and there's just going to be so much good stuff coming. So if you guys are in the, you know, interested in team building at all, it's definitely going to be the new Facebook group in town. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There are going to be some important updates around global vetted VAs over the next few months. So one of them being that the the price will be going up soon. So currently, I think you can get in for, um, I want to say, I, I think under $700, um, but it is going to be going out to $850 uh, soon. So if you know that you've been looking for something like this, um, and you want to, to get in before the price goes up. I'll, I'll give you guys more information when that does happen. Uh, but I don't want any of you who have been thinking about it and it's kind of on your to-do list uh, to get caught off guard when that price does go up. And Liz, that's and- been going so well. Like the reviews have been incredible. We have been told LA by so many back. people that it is kind of a steal and a bargain right now. And we want to continue to be confident in our ability to best serve the people who are signing up for this. And as it's getting more popular of a service, we just want to make sure that we can continue to be confident in helping people. So uh, Gerald is going to be needing some some people to help him and some other things. Again, we just want to make sure that it's it continues to operate as smoothly as it does now and continues to get better. Yeah. And it's just part of the outsourcing process, right? Like you're buying your time back. Yes, it's a little bit of an investment to get this A player on your team, but you're buying your time back of not having to go through that process. Yeah. And it's a it's a one-time fee to bring that person onto your team, not an ongoing monthly fee. Yeah. Just, just to have access. Then yes. they're yours and you get to groom them and have all the growing pains that I'm having. Right. Right. <laughs> Good growing pains. <laughs> All right, you guys, Liz, anything else that you wanted to mention before we close out here? 
Oh, I'm just excited to join this conversation selfishly because I get to ask all the questions I want to ask and get get helped in my team building. <laughs> but hey, I, I will be the guinea pig and share everything transparently if it helps more people and gives me access to get more help from you. So I'm just super grateful to be here. No, you're the best. You ask the best questions and you definitely make these conversations easier for me to have than if I'm totally alone. And I think you spark really good conversations that I wouldn't have if it was just me speaking to the group here. So, all right, you guys, that's it for this week of the Business Growth Advantage. We'll be back with you soon. Yep. You can expect us to be going live on Thursdays at the same time, 12 p.m. Central. All right. Thanks, Joey. Bye, guys. See ya, everyone. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn